So both the first and the second of Paul's letters to the Thessalonians speak a lot about the second coming of Christ. In today's reading, Paul challenges what we today would call some fake news that's been doing the rounds about Christ's return. And he does so totally head-on, no messing about. That's, that was Paul's way. The verses that you've just heard are, in a nutshell, meant to bring comfort to the early church, and in particular, in this case, the church in Thessalonia. To put it in modern parlance, I suppose, he's saying, no, Jesus hasn't come back. No, you didn't miss it. Your suffering isn't a sign that you've been left behind and he's forgotten you. And he actually says to them, remember what I told you about how to remain alert as you watch and wait for him to come. And like a father who's reminding his children at bedtime that they have already checked for monsters under the bed and there are none, Paul is writing to comfort a very anxious people because someone, somewhere, somehow has claimed to have received an authoritative word and message that they've all missed the second coming. And that person is claiming that the message came from Paul himself. Fake news. Paul has proclaimed no such thing. And he's having none of it. He's fighting back against this. And in fact, he's a bit unsettled by the whole situation. He wonders whether it was some prophetic utterance from somebody, whether it was a forged letter supposedly from him and his fellow missionaries, teachers, that is causing such an upset to these people. And even though he can't figure out what was the source of the story, what he knows for sure is that it is not true. It's fake news. The community, I suppose, really should have done a bit of homework themselves and realized that what Paul had explained when he was last with them, namely that Jesus has not yet returned, was still true. And even before he lays out the reasons why it hasn't yet happened, Paul makes a huge and important statement but in a very quiet and understated way. He links together the return of Jesus and our being gathered to him. Listen, listen again to verses 1 and 2. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching that is allegedly from us, asserting that the day of the Lord has 
already come. In other words, if when it happens, God gathers us to him when Jesus comes back, and we haven't yet been gathered to him, then it can't have happened, can it? That, if nothing else, should ease most of their fears and ours of being left behind, of missing it. And if we jump then to the second part of our reading, to verse 13, where Paul tries to comfort them by focusing their attention on what God is actively doing, he tells them they are the beloved of Jesus. They have received salvation from God. They are continuously receiving the Holy Spirit's work. It was God himself who called them through the preaching and the teaching that they received from Paul and Silas and Timothy and all his helpers. And all of this will result in them becoming part of the glory of Jesus when he does return. And if God has planned all of this, would he leave them behind? If he loves them, if he's saved them and if he's transforming them through Paul's teachings more and more into the likeness of Jesus, why would he leave them behind? Would he leave behind those that he's already saved? Would he leave behind people who are grieving, people who are growing in knowledge of the truth? Would he leave behind what he calls his first fruits? Not a chance. It's all fake news. So after raising their spirits with such comforting words, Paul then gently guides them as to what to do to avoid being confused and thrown off track in the future if such messages arise. He says, stick to the teachings that you've heard from me and Silas and Timothy, because it's these teachings that will help you to stand firm when rumors and false narratives start to swirl around as you wait for Jesus to return. Because the best defense against fake news is to be well grounded in the truth. Imagine being so worried that you're going to be left behind when it happens that you start to question all that you've learned, all that you've read, all that you know in your heart to be true. It's so easy to allow fake news to worm its way into our minds and to get us thinking, well, hang on a minute there. How do I know for sure that what I've believed all these years is really true? 
because there are many out there who will try to convince us that it isn't. Paul's advice is to trust in the things we know and even more to trust in the God we know. And that advice should also encourage us and help us as we try to encourage others to believe as we do. So fast forward 2,000 years and not much has changed. We live in an age of crisis and hysteria instead of faith and belief. An age of never-ending economic and political chaos. An ongoing state of worry and anxiety and uncertainty. Just in the last five years, we've had Brexit, we've had COVID, we've had climate crisis and global warming, we've had war in Ukraine, cost of living crisis, migrant crisis, not invasion, migrant crisis, three prime ministers in the last two months, and to top it all, the death of our beloved Queen, leaving even the monarchy in crisis, or so we are told. Everywhere we look, the word crisis leaps out at us. From the pages of newspapers, TV news headlines, from our laptops, from our iPhones. Now we're told that we're about to experience a profound and prolonged time of economic crisis. You open a newspaper or a magazine and you see a headline or you go onto your phone onto Google and latest news and all these headlines come up and you think, that looks interesting, and you follow it through. When you read the actual article, it bears very little resemblance to what the headline said. Headlines, the fake news, is only there to draw you in, to get you to read it, or listen to it, or watch it. Good news is extremely thin on the ground, and fake news is everywhere. So what's the answer? Would you believe? same as it was 2,000 years ago. Stand firm and hold fast to the teachings of the Gospels. If only all those who acknowledge Jesus as Lord would offer themselves unreservedly to be used by him. If only we lived for him, in him, by him and allowed him to live in us and do all the things he promised us that we could do just as he did them if only we had enough faith and if only we sought to live with no other desire than to speak of him and to show his love to the world. If we did all that, he would most certainly, I think, 
have returned long ago. He doesn't delay his second coming, we do. He'd be here tomorrow if we stood firm and held fast to his teachings, if we refused to be unnerved by all that we hear, see, and read. We haven't missed it. It hasn't happened, just as those Thessalonians hadn't missed it. But for as long as we're busy worrying whether we might have, or theorizing about when it might be, it won't happen. So let's trust and wait. Let's stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we've been given. And equally important, let's try to teach others to do the same. Because remember, as we so often say, coming to church on Sunday doesn't make you a Christian. It's lovely to see you. We love having you here, but it doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. It's the reading, the learning, the absorbing of the teachings that gradually infiltrate our hearts and our minds that enables us to go out and to share it. And I can promise you that all of that teaching is good news, not fake news. Amen.